Are you obsessed with Los Angeles? Head over heels in love with the City of Angels? Well, this is the podcast for you. At LifeX LA, we hack the best in arts, eats, and activities in Los Angeles. So join us and become an LA hacker. Baby, baby. Here we go, LA Hackers. This is episode number 37 of the Life Hacks LA podcast. I'm your host, Stefan, and today we're going to be hacking movie studio lots. I think it's another huge entertainment benefit to living in LA that most of us probably don't think about that often. But let's be real. How many cities in the world have dozens and dozens of movie and television studio lots and live tapings that people can show up and attend? It's just another really awesome perk to living here in Hollywood, but of course there are tips and tricks to it. For example, some lots you can pay, you can pay and you can visit to get on and some are private and you actually need to come up with a strategy so that you can go visit. So of course we decided we needed to hack everything about visiting studio lots and we are doing it today with our special guest, Michelle from LADreaming.com. Michelle is not only a true LA hacker who loves, loves, loves Los Angeles, but she has her own website where she shares all her favorite LA tips. And she also has worked as a tour guide on a few movie studio lots here in Los Angeles and has some amazing tips and hacks about visiting and getting the very best out of your experience. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode, so let's jump right into it. And be sure you stay till the end of the episode where I'll share my own secret LA hacks for visiting movie studio lots. All right, guys, I'll see you on the other side. Hey, what's going on, LA Hackers? Welcome to another episode of Life Hacks LA Podcast. And today we have another awesome interview. It is with Michelle from LA Dreaming. How are you doing today, Michelle? I'm good. How about you? I'm doing really well. I'm really excited to uh, tackle this subject we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about hacking movie studios and how to get on these lots. But before we do that, I wanted to ask you about yourself. Where are you from originally and how did you come to Los Angeles? So I was born in Long Beach, but when I was four, my family moved to Hendersonville, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville. But even at the age of four, I knew I wanted to come back to California. So I told my parents I was moving back here the day I could. And I did. Um, I actually wound up in Monterey. I did my sophomore year of college at um, CSU Monterey Bay. I did a national exchange program, so that way I was still able to pay in-state tuition to Tennessee, but come out to California for a year. And then once I graduated from college, I moved back to California. So I've been back out here about seven years, and I just can't imagine myself living anywhere else. Wow, that's awesome. So you knew where you wanted to live from an early age, huh? Oh, yes. Now, did you come back to visit a lot while you were growing up, or you just kind of waited until you were old enough to move back on your own? Um, I came back to visit a little bit, not as much as I would have liked, um, but I did have my grandparents here on my dad's side, so that helped that I always had a place to stay, and so I could come um, crash with them, and then my grandpa could get me into Disneyland, so that always was <laughs> <felt> great. <laughs> oh, that's cool. So that leads me into my next question. Like, um, So you obviously love LA, and you've known it from an early age. What are What are some of your personal favorite things about Los Angeles? I think The one thing that I can never get enough of is just how much there is to do here. I felt um, growing up in Nashville, like there weren't really that many things that I could do 
at a young age and I always felt like I was missing out by not being in LA. So once I moved out here, it was just my goal to make sure that I was doing as much as I could, whether it was checking out all the different beaches or going to all the different sporting events. And there's so many um, just activities in general. So I just love that there's such a wide variety of things to do. And I love how many things you can do for free here. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, it's really insane how much there is to do in Los Angeles. I think everyone appreciates the weather compared to the rest of the country. But when you live here and you know, you see that there's more than just the tourist things to do. Like there's so many cities within LA and each of them just have so much stuff to do and a lot of it free, like you said. Oh yeah. I found myself in Highland Park for the first time this last week. And I love that I've been back out here seven years and there's still just so many areas that I haven't explored yet. And I feel like I really make an effort to explore. So it surprises me sometimes when I then find these certain areas and I'm like, how did I not know about this before? That's awesome. Yeah, that, that's what makes us LA hackers. And that's why I've got you on the show because I love <laughs> to hear that because that's exactly how I am. And it's funny you say Highland Park too, because I had been to Highland Park before, but you know, recently over the last three or four years, it's really blown up. And for whatever reason, it's just one of those places I didn't go to that much, but I went a couple of weeks ago and I just spent the entire day there. And it's just incredible how much they have over there. Oh yeah, it was just so, so cute. So I was really excited about going back to explore it even more. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of an LA, LA hacker, you currently have a, your own blog. It's called LA Dreaming. Can you tell us a little bit more about it and what made you decide to start that? Yes. Yeah, so I got the idea to start LA Dreaming because when I moved back to LA, I started making a list of all the different things that I wanted to try to do out here. And one of the first things that I wanted to do was I had been watching the Oscars and I noticed that there were a bunch of fans lining the red carpet. So then I started doing my research to find out how I could be one of those fans. So a year later, um, I was on the red carpet at the Oscars, and so I did a lot of events like that, and a lot of people started reaching out to me, asking me how I was getting to do all of the various fun things I was doing, so then I realized, oh, if I create a blog, I can then share with people, whether they're locals or visiting LA for the first time, how I'm getting to do all the things I'm doing, how they can do it, um, so that's how LA Dreaming was born, just so that way I could share my story, and I just cover a variety of topics. In the last year, I wrote about how to be a seat fillers at the Emmys, but then also tried to cover as many of the pop-ups that are always coming to LA. So I try to cover a variety of things, but always try to share how people can do what I'm doing. Yeah, I was looking at your website and you've got some amazing articles. And like you said, a, a ton of them are about you know, how to meet celebrities, how to go to movie and TV, film locations, how to see live shows. Um, but the one I want to talk to you about first was uh, studio lots, because it's pretty interesting because there's all these studio lots throughout Los Angeles, and uh, some of them offer paid tours, and some of them are closed to the public. Um, can you go over a little bit about that, about studio lots, and just um, which, are, which are the ones that you can just buy a ticket and go, and which are the ones that you have to kind of hack your way in because they're private? Yes. Um, so the paid lots that you can visit for the big studios, there's Warner Brothers, Universal, Sony, and Paramount, and then two private studios that I think are worth 
visiting and then I'll share a few hacks later on for how people can visit them as the Fox Studio and Disney. And of course now, as we know, Disney has bought out Fox. So I guess technically they're both the Disney lots now. Yeah. But so out of the out of the public ones, the paid ones that you mentioned, because we'll we'll talk about those first because they're easiest. You, you just have to buy a ticket. Um, which are your favorites and what are some of the things that people should expect when they visit one of those? So my favorites overall are Universal, Warner Brothers, and Paramount. And I thought I would start out talking about Universal Studios because I feel like that's a studio tour that not a lot of locals really give a lot of time or attention to because it's also a theme park. And I think because it's kind of considered to be a ride, like a lot of people kind of write it off, but it's actually one of my favorite tours just because I think it's just a fun introduction for people to what a studio tour can be. It's the least personal just because it's a hundred people all crammed onto a tram. So you're not really getting to have the interaction with your guide for them to um, find out what your favorite shows are and point things out from that. But I do think it's just so much fun. Um, I really loved, cause I watched The Good Place. So when I had an annual pass and I would go take the tour, I loved when I would get to go through the little Europe set and it would be set up like heaven with all of the yogurt shops. And I'm a massive Leonardo DiCaprio fan. So I took the tour last summer and they mentioned that the Western set was used for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So that made me really excited to see that. Um, it still scares me every time Jaws pops out of the water because I'm just such a jumpy person. Um, but I think that this is also the best tour for kids. I think a lot of the other tours can be a little boring for kids, especially if they haven't seen a lot of the productions. But I think with Universal, because they have so much of a show element and a ride element attached to the tour that it's really, I think, the most family friendly. And if I had the money, I would pay to get to do their VIP tour because then you do actually get to walk around the back lots and you get a much more personal and interactive tour. Um, so that one is a couple hundred dollars more, which is why I've never done it, but that is on my LA bucket list to eventually get to do the VIP tour at Universal just to get a more in-depth experience. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, that's a classic, but I think people do think of it more as part of the Universal Studios rides, which it is sort of, but it does have some great information on there about, you know, if you're like us, where we love the history of movies and we love to hear about, um, you know, who worked there and what the sets were, it, it has that information if you're like listening for it. Oh yeah, and it's also nice too, because I think I had done that tour maybe five times before I finally got to see Hill Valley from Back to the Future. So I do like that every now and then there are enough changes that it makes it worth doing it more than once, I think. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about the private ones. Um, so those are completely separate. It's not part of the ride at all, or is it part of the, the theme park and then they just kind of have a separate place for you to go for the, for the private one? So for the private one, um, you're essentially buying a VIP tour to get to enjoy the whole park. So your VIP guide can get you front of the line access to all of the shows and the rides, but then at least two hours of your six hour experience with the guide, it may even be close to three or three and a half. I tried to do 
some research, but I couldn't get the exact timing. Um, but you do, you get loaded onto a little trolley that holds about 12 people. So it's a much smaller group than the 100 people on the big tram. Uh, they do take you inside at least one soundstage. You get to visit um, the property department. And then you can um, walk around the Jaws area, which is also used for Murder, She Wrote with Angela Lansbury, which I grew up watching with my grandparents. So I really <laughs> want to walk around there. Um, I think you get to go in some of the houses on Wisteria Lane from Desperate Housewives, and then they walk around um, the wreckage from War of the Worlds. Oh, that's awesome. Now, have you done the Warner Brothers one? Uh, so I actually used to be a tour guide at Warner Brothers. Get out of here. Okay, I have some questions for you then. Okay, this is perfect. Okay, so I used to live in Burbank, and I would drive by the Warner Brothers one all the time, but I never did it. And then one day, unrelated to the tour, I, I was there because of like a work-related thing. And I went to some class or something. It was like an hour. And then I spent the entire day walking around Warner Brothers Studio because I had a guest pass. But I've always been curious about what you see on that tour because I, I was just walking around myself, right? Mm -hmm. I, I actually wasn't supposed to be doing that. <laughs> I just kind of did it anyway. But I, I know they have the Friends, uh, which is really popular there. But what, what are some of the other things that you can see that um, uh, on the Warner Brothers tour? There, I So I know I'm going to sound biased because I've worked there, but I thought WB had the best tour before I worked there. And then now having worked there, I still think that. I think, especially from a fan perspective, I think they offer the most immersive experience. And I remember before I worked there, my guide had asked up front, like, oh, what are you fans of? And then I was the only one on the tour that spoke up. And at the time, I was a big fan of Pretty Little Liars and, of course, Friends. So my guide spent the whole time talking about all of the things that I liked. So that is one of the things that I love most about the WB tour is that all of the guides will really try to personalize it to what you're a fan of. Uh, but essentially, on every tour, you're going to see at least one of the many backlots that WB has. Uh, you'll do a visit to the Archive Museum, and in the museum they will rotate the different exhibits that they have, but they always have the props and costumes from the Harry Potter movies, even though they filmed overseas at Warner Brothers in London, and they have their own separate tour, uh, but we do get props and costumes that will come and rotate from the Harry Potter movies, and then they it's also where they showcase um, props and costumes from the DC movies. So it's a really great tour for superhero fans as well. And there's even been Marvel movies that have filmed in the back lot. So I would get a lot of people that would come to WB that weren't necessarily fans of WB owned properties, but that wasn't a problem at all because Warner Brothers has an open lot filming policy. So like Spider-Man had filmed on Hennessy Street, which is one of my favorite backlots that also served as New York City for friends. Um, and then we, or the guides, I say we, because I forget sometimes that I don't still work there, um, but the guides will always try to take you to at least one soundstage. And one of my biggest tips for getting to see a stage that you're a fan of, we get so many people that come that are big fans of the Ellen DeGeneres show, but if you come during the week when she's filming, no one can take you into her stage because we can't interrupt the filming. But on the weekends, typically that is when those stages are available to take 
groups in. So a lot of people would want to come during the week because they would want to try to see a celebrity, but then they'd be really bummed when they couldn't get into a stage that they were a fan of. So it is kind of a trade-off that you have to decide, would I rather see the stage for the Ellen show or would I rather, you know, hope that I will potentially see Ellen? But I would always try to explain to people, maybe out of the 700 tours I gave, maybe five tour groups saw a celebrity four of the times they had no idea that the celebrity was right next to us because we can't point them out so if people don't recognize them on their own there's not really anything that we can say about that um but at the end of the tour you do get taken to stage 48 which is an interactive museum and that's where they have the central perk set from friends so you can sit on the couch get your picture taken and last May, once the Big Bang Theory ended, they ended up moving over Sheldon and Leonard's apartment, the cafeteria, and then the hallway with the broken elevator. So people can interact with those sets now too. Wow, sounds like they're just, they're packed with stuff over there at Warner Brothers. Oh yeah, it's absolutely loaded. And it's really nice too, because they have three different types of tours. So there's the regular tour, which is great for people who are fans of a lot more of the modern projects. So a lot of people that are fans of Friends, Gilmore Girls, ER, anything like that. Uh, but I also was a tour guide for our classic tours, which focused on early Hollywood. So especially people that really wanted to hear stories about Casablanca and My Fair Lady and learn about Audrey Hepburn and Humphrey Bogart. That was really the perfect tour for them just to get to see the studio in a different perspective and hear kind of about the golden age and the very early days of the studio. And Jack Warner is a very interesting character who kind of had a shady history. So people loved getting to learn a little bit of the dirt about the Warner Brothers. Um, and then they also offer a deluxe tour, which is a five and a half hour tour that also includes a meal in the fine dining location. And people have a better chance of seeing celebrities on that tour because normally they'll go to fine dining to have some of their big meetings. So that's kind of a hack for how people can try to see the celebrities. Yeah. Um, so this is kind of a random question, but how hard was it to get a job as a studio tour? And also, do they train you on exactly what to say or you just go on a bunch of tours, uh, get the script down and the information down and then you can kind of freelance on your own based on what the audience is or, or do they keep it strict to make sure you always say these 10 things? The really nice thing about the tour is it is the least scripted one that I've ever encountered. So we did have requirements in the sense that you always have to take your group to at least one of the back lots. You always have to take them to a soundstage in the archives. And then you always have to go show them um, our Batmobiles. But beyond that, you're free to talk about whatever you want, you know, of course, as long as it's appropriate um, and free to take people wherever they want. So my tours were always a little different because at the beginning of the tour, I would just ask people, what did you come here to see? And if people didn't necessarily give me a lot of titles to work with, but they mainly just wanted to see a studio tour or see a movie studio and how it worked, then I would immediately think in my head, okay, so I'm probably gonna try to take this group to the prop house 
and um, take them probably to a few different stages so that way they can maybe see what a sitcom set looks like versus a talk show set. Whereas the next group, if they were massive Friends fans or um, maybe fans of musicals or various things that did a lot of filming in the backlots, then normally I would try to walk multiple backlots with them and um, show them like the exact spots where certain scenes happened and then try to let them recreate the scenes if they wanted to. A lot of people loved recreating Phoebe's crazy run from Friends. So I would take <laughs> them to our Central Park and let them do that. Um, so that is just really nice that if you have a good guide and if you're willing to be vocal about what you came to see, like they're really willing to bend over backwards to try to make sure that you get the best experience. Uh, but as far as getting a job there, it's, it can be hard depending on the time of year, but I ended up applying um, to, so I started working there in June of 2017 and they hired, I think, 90 people. So it was a little easier to get a job for that season, whereas the, the next fall, they only hired six people. So you just have to time it um, closer to summer if that's something that you're looking for. That is one of the perks of having that job, being able to get, to, get into hard shows like Ellen and stuff like that, or no? Um, so I actually had an easier time requesting tickets as a um, non-employee for Ellen, um, but as a tour guide, I was able to get VIP tickets for the Big Bang Theory as well as Fuller House. They did that as a thank you for us because we would talk about their shows so much, um, but unfortunately for the Ellen show, just because that one is just not a whole nother level of popularity, I've had so much more luck not applying as an employee. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Well, maybe we can get into some hacks on how to get on shows a little bit later, but I wanted to jump in to the private lots because, you know, we, we talked a lot about Warner Brothers and Universal. So the private lots, the two big ones you mentioned are Disney and Fox, which, you know, Disney bought Fox, but it's still sort of separate. Uh, do you have any hacks to visiting those private lots where you can't just go and buy a ticket and show up? I do. Um, so I actually have a few different hacks for Disney. Now I got to tour the Disney lot because um, I also used to be a tour guide at Disneyland. So that was one of my perks for um, working at the company was I got to go tour the studio. But um, three different hacks that I have to share for how people can try to get into the studio. Um, the first is the Disney Movie Insider Rewards. So I don't know if you've ever noticed if you've bought Disney DVDs and Blu-rays that they'll have a little sheet with a code on it. Um, so you can enter the code on the Disney Movie Insider Rewards website and you start building points. It is currently 12,000 points to redeem a studio tour, but that tour is good for four people. So if a lot of people go together and pull their points. They can then redeem a studio tour that way. Um, they typically offer the studio tours every two to three months, but they go really quick once they become available since it is a private lot. So it is really hard to get into. Um, people can also purchase a D23 membership, which is the Disney fan club. So they offer four tours throughout the year for fans. I believe it's about $112 when they sell the studio tour. And a lot of people that I've met, they join D23 just because they want to get on the lot. 
And if the D23 members can't get on the lot for the studio tour, D23 also hosts a lot of um, private screenings at the studio throughout the year that the members can buy tickets for. So that's another way to get on the lot. They're not really gonna get to tour it. They're still on the lot. And then the uh, other way is I currently work for a company where we do test screenings of upcoming movies just to try to figure out for the studios how we can make them better. And we host screenings every now and then on the studio lot so people can get on the Disney lot through the company. And then we also host screenings over at Fox. So that's a nice way for people to see the Fox lot. Um, I first saw the Fox lot a couple years ago. I really love How I Met Your Mother. And Allison Hannigan was part of a pilot that unfortunately didn't get picked up, but I went to the pilot taping at Fox, which was my first time there. And then I found tickets on social media back in September this last year for the premiere for Lucy in the Sky with Natalie Portman and John Hamm. So I went to the lot for the movie and then um, everyone got invited to stay for the after party. So I got to see a little bit of the lot that way. So that was a really fun experience. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, as you know, I, I worked at Fox Studios and I would say, first of all, the easiest way to get on there, I mean, it's not easy if you don't know someone, but if you do know someone that works there, they can, you can pretty much bring, they can bring someone on anytime they want. So when people would come to visit me from out of town, I would just meet them off, off the lot and fill up my car with everybody and just drive back on the lot. And oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I'd have like six people in my car. <laughs> and then I would just walk them around and no one asks you anything if you work there. Mm. But uh, the thing about the Fox lot, it's, it's really incredible because of the history that's there. I mean, they used to own all the way, they used to own all of Century City, all the way down to Culver City. And oh, wow. Cleopatra, you remember that movie Cleopatra with oh, yeah. um, Elizabeth, um, drawing a blank on her last name. Oh, Elizabeth Taylor. Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah, so that was like one of the most expensive movies of all time, and it almost bankrupt a lot. So they had to sell or bankrupt Fox. So they had to sell all that, but it still got all this amazing history. Even though there's not a ton, it's not like Universal where you're like, you know, seeing all this stuff and it's set up for the public. You know, it's it's people actually working. I mean, there, there's not really stuff set up for you to see, but as you walk around, you see some pretty cool stuff with a lot of history. Now I have to ask, did you ever see the bench from Titanic? The bench from Titanic. I don't I recall. Saw, after I went to the studio, because it was dark when I was there, so I couldn't really see a ton. Um, but I had looked on Instagram and I saw someone was sitting outside of a stage on a bench that had a plaque saying it was from Titanic, which oh, is my yeah, favorite yeah, yeah. movie. Yeah, so that's yeah, my I, I goal that. now. The next time I'm there is to find that bench. <laughs> yeah, so I used to walk around the lot, and you would just discover all this stuff. Off the top of my head, the big things is they had a Napoleon Dynamite statue. Simpsons is huge there; they're like worship there. A really cool thing is they have these cottages that people work as in offices now, but they look like cottages you would live in. And if you look at the history, is because back in the day, like. Um, uh, the, the actors, especially the child actors, would live on the lot in oh. those cottages because they basically, like the studio owned them. Like they couldn't go and work for other studios, you know? And so that has a cool history. And then, the, you know, the, the Die Hard building? Oh, the, yeah. Yeah, that's called, uh, they nicknamed that Nakatomi Plaza from the movie. But that's actually like the Fox corporate office. 
and um you know it was used in the movie die hard so that that's a big one but there's there's a bunch of little things that are spread throughout this huge lot um that you just come across you know that's why I that's why I just get so excited still anytime I'm on a studio lot because I just know it's just filled with so much incredible history and it makes me feel so spoiled to get to live in an area where we just don't have one or two studios we essentially have all the big ones. Yeah, and you know this you know this to be true but I didn't know this until I worked there and then you know whenever I whenever I used to bring someone there they didn't realize it either but it's interesting because you go to the Fox lot and you might see shows that you didn't know were Fox. For example, a big one, a big example for me is Modern Family. That show was huge when I was at Fox and that's an ABC show. So I didn't even know they were on the Fox lot, but when it comes to seeing celebrities, I saw them the most because Fox produced the show, even though it was aired on ABC. So there's all, all this mixing of, um, uh, for example, there was a few CBS shows there too on the Fox lot. Oh yeah, that is one thing that I think blew my mind so much when I moved out here because I think just growing up in my head, I was like, oh, if it's a Disney show, it has to film on the Disney lot, you know, and so on. And then I got here and I was like, oh, this, this airs on CBS, but this films at WB or, you know, so it's just so interesting to kind of see all the behind the scenes and then realize that like everyone in kind of in Hollywood essentially is kind of working together, even though they're all competitors at the end of the day. Yeah, it is interesting. For example, um, one of the biggest shows in Fox history is American Idol, but that was filmed at the CBS studio just because they have a better live uh, production stages. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't realize that until I, I used to live by the Grove, you know, which where CBS studio is. Mm -hmm. And I would see these huge lines and I was like, always curious, who are these people? What is this show for? Cause it was such a weird people in line. And then I finally realized it was um, American Idol, which is aired on Fox. So it's, it's just pretty interesting. But the point is, is that you kind of don't know until you go there and walk around, you know? Oh yeah. So I, I always recommend to people when they're trying to figure out which studio tour to take you know, it's just all about what you're fans of. Because every now and then I would get people that would come to WB and then when they would go through the shows that they're fans of, I'd then be thinking, oh, actually maybe you should have gone to Paramount. But, you know, of course I'm not gonna be like, oh, you know, you're on the wrong tour, you have to leave. And so I would, you know, really try to like rack my brain to think, okay, what can I talk about that's kind of similar? to that. Um, but the, the research is out there if people are willing to look it up just to make sure that they do go to the right studio for them. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, one, one more thing I, I want to say about Fox, because like I said, I work there. Um, knowing someone, uh, if you do, if you're lucky enough to know someone, like I said, they can take you anytime. But another cool tip about is if you know someone is on the weekends, they show movies for free, I think on every Saturday for, for employees and friends. So um, you want to talk to your friend uh, who I, I wonder if they I wonder if they uh, extended that into Disney employees, because then you have a much better chance of knowing someone. Oh, but yeah. anyway, anyway, that's the best time to go, because if you go on a weekend, well, you're probably not going to see any celebrities. But if you go on a weekend, you watch the movie for free at the real live movie theater, private movie theater on the Fox Studio lot. And then your friend can take you around the lot and explain everything to you. And, you know, you basically have it all to yourself. 
Oh, that's incredible. Now I'm very jealous of that. We had employee screenings at WB maybe like once every couple of months, but definitely not that often. That is amazing. Yeah, I would say it was like twice a month. Every time Fox had a movie out, it would be shown there on a Saturday for employees and guests. So it's pretty cool. All right. Now I got to befriend someone who works at Fox. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, unfortunately, like if you love LA movie history like we do, it's unfortunate that they got, well, I don't know. We'll we'll see how it plays out. But I always think it's better to have multiple studios instead of, um, you know, Disney bought Fox. So yeah. don't know how that's all going to shake out, but I, I thought it was kind of cool that they each have their own personality. They each have their own studio lot. They each have their own history, but we'll see how that plays out. All right. So this is probably a whole nother episode. I might have to have you back on for this one, but I just wanted to ask you really quickly because I saw so many great articles about it on your website. And this is a question I get a lot. Um, and that's about spotting celebrities. Can you drop two or three quick tips on how people can see and um, spot celebrities out and around Los Angeles? Yes. Um, So I think one of the really coolest ways to get to see celebrities is to become a seat filler at award shows. I've done it for uh, the People's Choice Awards this last year. I went to the the Emmys and some of my friends were seat fillers at the Grammys. It's completely free to get to do this. You just register Um, with seatfillersandmore.com, just fill out a profile, and then you just have to submit. Um, But when I was at the Emmys, I started out sitting right behind Tony Hale, and I was so excited because I was just saying in my head, I'm like, oh, it's Forky from Toy Story 4. And then right in front of him was Ted Danson and Kristen Bell from The Good Place. And then the next time I got moved to another seat, I was sitting right behind Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Um, So that is just a way to get to see almost everybody in television. And again, completely free, just a really fun experience. Um, But another great way is book signings at Barnes and Noble at the Grove. And one of the main reasons that I recommend that is as long as they don't cancel, which very rarely happens, you're guaranteed to meet them. And I feel like at so many of the experiences, you just show up having to hope that you're gonna meet somebody. But if you go to the book signing, you're guaranteed to meet them. That's how I met Neil Patrick Harris and Drew Barrymore and a lot of people that I don't think I would have had the opportunity to meet besides that. And then if people go to websites like oneiota.com, they can sign up to attend movie premieres. And typically at the premieres, um, especially with the One Iota events, they'll try to get the fans on the sides of the red carpet. And then you're watching the movies inside the same theater as the cast. So you never know who you're gonna run into when you go to get your concessions. Um, so again, all completely free. So you're getting to see the movie for free, but just also have this really fun experience. All right. So I have a couple questions. First of all, on the seat filler thing. So it's literally what it sounds like. You're a seat filler. You're, you basically, they want on TV for the audience to look full. So wherever there's an empty seat, you sit there the entire show. Yeah. Um, well, so you sit there until somebody comes back to claim their seat. And I, most of the time I'm just sitting there hoping like nobody comes back because once somebody comes back on commercial break to claim their seat, like maybe Um, You're filling their seat maybe because they got up on stage to present, accept the award, or they ran to the restroom. You typically then have 30 seconds to find your next seat. 
So you might be climbing over 10 people to find a seat in the middle of the row, or you might be having to run to the back and hanging out behind camera if you don't get to find a seat on time. So it can get a little hectic when it comes to actually switching the seats, uh, but it's just such a fun experience. So <laughs> I'm curious. So but basically what you're saying is like when there's a downtime, like a commercial break, they give everyone 30 seconds to figure it out. So like the person might be coming back to take your seat, which is their seat. And then you've got to, before they come back from commercial, you've got to scramble around and see if you can find another empty seat. Yes, it is wow. absolute madness. And then there's some people who they didn't have someone come back to their seat, but they're just trying to get a better seat. So that part can get a little annoying too, especially if you're the one who like you have to get another seat because that person came back. It's obnoxious to then have somebody else where you see, okay, you didn't have to get out of your seat. You're just wanting to try to sit by a celebrity or you're, you're just wanting to get to the front to try to get better camera time. So you're also competing with those people to get the seats. Um, so that's really the main reason that the whole time in my head, I'm just thinking, okay, please nobody come back to this seat just because it is a little bit of a madhouse in that it's such a short window. And normally there's producers in the aisles that are like yelling for you to get your seat. And you're just thinking like, yes, I'm trying to, but there's no open seats in this area. So it's, it gets really wild. And it's, it is really fun though, to get to see the behind the scenes working of all of that. And it, it's just such a, it's a very funny experience. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like a lot of fun, like at least to try once, you know? Oh, yeah. The only downside is um, for a big show like the Emmys or the Grammys, you don't get to bring a plus one. Not that you would get to sit by your plus one the whole time, um, but normally I'll try to like connect on social media to see if anybody I know also got picked as a seat filler because you have to get there quite a bit early. So it's just nice to have somebody to talk to while you're waiting in line for a few hours and then just kind of have someone to laugh with after at just all the crazy things that happen. Yeah. And then I wanted to ask you about what you said about Barnes and Noble, the Grove, because that's interesting because I used to live right by there. So I was there at least once a week and I, I noticed that too. I wasn't going to see a specific author or something, but I just happened to be there when that would be going on. And that's one of the places, I don't know if it's just because the Grove and they're so used to seeing celebrities, people don't, get that excited but the lines weren't too crazy considering the level of celebrity so is, is that what you mean by you're guaranteed to meet them well you're guaranteed to meet them as long as you buy the book while they're still available and sometimes too it depends on the celebrity because if they were agreeing to take photos with fans in addition to signing the books then they would typically sell less pictures to be able to accommodate how many people it would take to fill that quota. Some of the authors will pre-sign the books just so that way they can have a longer time to take photos. Some of them will refuse to take photos and it's a really brief situation. Um, but when I went to the book signing for Dick Van Dyke, I believe they said there were about 400 people. Um, wow. So he stayed for about three and a half hours to meet everybody. And because there were so many people to get through, you couldn't take a posed photo, but you could hand your phone to a Barnes and Noble staffer and they would take photos of you talking to him while he signed your book. Um, I think for Neil Patrick Harris, there were also 
a couple hundred. Um, for Drew Barrymore, there were no photos, uh, I guess just so that they could get more people through. Um, so it, it does vary um, star to star. I remember one of the security guards told me that when Hillary Clinton came to do her book signing, that was one of the rare instances where people actually camped out overnight. And so typically for the book signings, the books will go on sale 9 a.m. the day of the signing and they'll give out wristbands a certain amount for each letter of the alphabet until they reach their capacity. Um, that morning, I think they were out of the books and wristbands within 30 minutes, whereas other days you might be able to still get the books and the wristbands at five o'clock for the seven o'clock signing. Um, so it just kind of varies person to person what the, um, I guess, show up and outcome is. But yeah. it's, I, think, I think it's just nice to just know going into it, okay, as long as I'm able to get the wristband, I'm gonna meet them. It might be a really short encounter, but it is, I think, still just really nice to get to meet them. Yeah, that's cool. Like you said, it's almost a guarantee. And the Grove in general is where is a place where you're likely to, you know, I wouldn't say likely, but I've seen lots of celebrities that are just walking around, actually in Barnes & Noble shopping. So um, it's a good place to go anyway. Oh yeah. All right, so this is uh, more of a general Los Angeles question. We're getting close to the end, of the end of the interview here, and I really wanted to ask you this because I can see by your Instagram and your blog how much you love L.A. Can you describe for us what you would consider to be your dream day in L.A.? Uh, from getting up to going to bed, what would happen in between to make it the perfect dream L.A. day for Michelle? So getting up, I my favorite place to go in the LA area for any meal, whether it's breakfast, lunch, or dinner, is Aroma in Studio City. It's just this little um, kind of a hole-in-the-wall coffee shop slash restaurant, but I love it because it has so much character. It looks like you're just stepping into somebody's house, um, but it's actually a restaurant. They play black and white movies on the TV behind the counter where you order, and they have the most incredible desserts and pastries, and then the regular menu is great as well. Um, it's the go-to place where I take people anytime they come into town. Um, I took my parents there a while ago, and while we were in line, my dad noticed that J.K. Simmons was ahead of us ordering, so it is a fun spot if you are trying to um, meet celebrities or see celebrities, but it's just my favorite place to go to eat. Um, I have just really big on going to see filming locations. So I would definitely be checking out a new filming location or two during my day. Uh, heading out to the beach, just because I can never get enough of the beach. So I'd probably go out to Malibu for a bit. Or movie, because that is one of my other favorite things to do in the LA area is go to one of the many different venues where you can see a movie outside. Yeah, that's an awesome thing to do, especially in the summertime. Oh, yes. All right, cool. All right, well, thank you for dropping so many amazing hacks, Michelle. It's pretty, pretty, pretty incredible how much uh, knowledge you have about celebrity sighting and getting on movie studio lots. But I wanted to ask you, um, is there something that we didn't talk about that you want to share or, or, or any more last, last minute tips on movie studios or celebrity spotting or celebrity spotting? I think my last tip that I haven't mentioned is there is a pass people can buy. It's called the Go LA Pass. 
It's $94 for one day. You can get it for multiple days and then it gets cheaper and it gives you unlimited access to a lot of fun attractions around LA, but it includes admission to the Warner Brothers studio tour as well as the Sony tour. And if you paid for those tours individually, it would be $115. But if you get the pass, it's 90, going to be about, yeah, $94 to do the two tours. And then it includes other things like the OUE Sky Space in downtown, Madame Tussauds in Hollywood. Um, so that's just a way to get to see a lot, but not have to pay a ton. So especially for people who are wanting to see the studios, I highly recommend that pass. Oh, that's awesome. All right, Michelle. So I've been uh, reading all your articles on LA Dreaming, and I really love all your content. But can you tell our audience the best place for people to go to find out more about you and your LA Dreaming brand? Um, so on Instagram, you can find me at LA period dreaming. And then of course, go to ladreaming.com for all the information you need to know about my adventures. All right. Thanks so much for coming on the Life Hacks LA podcast, Michelle, and we'll talk to you again soon. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Okay. Bye. What is up, guys? I hope you enjoyed that episode where we hacked Hollywood movie studio lots with Michelle from LA Dreaming. If you want more great tips on finding and meeting celebrities, visiting studio lots, and just more fun stuff to do in Los Angeles, be sure you go visit Michelle's website at ladreaming.com. She has so many amazing articles about just having fun and hanging out in LA. Okay guys, let's jump into my special hack this week, and this one is going to help you save a bit of money. Now, in the interview, Michelle mentioned how you can purchase the LA Go card, which is a great deal, and it helps you get a big discount if you're doing multiple activities that include the Warner Brothers tour. But if you're interested in just visiting one studio lot, here's my tip for you. Just Google the name of the studio lot and discount tickets. For almost all of them, there will be third parties selling them much cheaper than what you can get on their website. And I just tested that again, so I know for sure that they're out there and you're gonna get a much better deal than what you get if you buy directly from their website. So just make sure you go out there so you're not paying full price and, and Google discount tickets and get it from a third party. All right, LA Hackers, that's all I have for you this week. And if you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to leave us a quick review on whatever platform you're listening on. And if you want to get access to our 10 best LA hacks, as always, you can download our free ebook at lifehacksla.com forward slash 10 hacks. All right, I'll talk to you next week.